praise the Lord for the glorious gospel. We're going to continue in um, Romans chapter 5. We've been introduced to the, the teaching about justification, how a, a sinner is, is made righteous before God. The first line of Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We keep reading. We were already at, it goes on to say, through whom also, that is, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through him also we have access by faith into this grace. It's a new place to be in this grace in which we stand and rejoice and hope in the glory of God. And not only that begins verse 3. Not only that. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I I wrote one title to this sermon today, and it's kind of got a, a little ring to it from the, from the days of the Puritans. This title is Unanticipated Advantages in the Tribulations of the Justified. When there's too many syllables in a title, they're kind of hard to follow, but they've got that antique ring to them. The short version is advantages of Christian tribulation. And so I see here in our passage, really, we're, we're going to be focusing today between 3 and 5, and we'll, we'll, of course, consider the whole scope of the passage here. But the children... Of justification. The children of justification would be perseverance, character, and hope. Or the perseverance and the character and hope of, of justification. Justification is the it's kind of the, the peak, the center stage of what we're looking at in, in Romans chapter five, justification. And uh, the things that you don't yet know and understand about justification are far more than what you do know about justification. It is one of the greatest and, and, and deepest teachings of the New Testament. And I would really encourage you to um, follow along here, read the first chapters of Romans over and over to work on your understanding of it. But it is, that is justification is the most inconceivable way to have found yourself in God's favor. Justification, the, 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 the reality, the doctrine, the, the, the truth of justification is completely inconceivable by men in terms of us finding a way for salvation, us finding a way for, for peace with God, us finding a way to have the, the enmity or the animosity between you and God removed and erased. Men, women, and children are born in Adam's rule. Born under Adam's headship is, is something that will be referred to a little bit later here in the book. Born with Adam's guilt. And, and we are a little bit upset, probably. The first time you had to contemplate this, if you were born with Adam's guilt, it just doesn't seem fair. Why should I be born condemned because of Adam's sin? And what the book of Romans goes on to say by the time we get to the end of chapter 5 is... is in the same way you were born in his guilt by nothing you did, but you continue to show the fruits of it. And in, in that same way, you will also receive the righteousness of Christ for nothing you did. It's a great truth of the gospel. Glorious truth of the gospel. In the meantime, men are irritated by God's holy demands. Some of them we agree with. Some of them we find frustrating and irritating. Men in their nature possess a natural non-God-likeness. There, there is a non-godliness to you and I in our 
nor creaturely way that prefers the inclinations of your own heart over God's holiness. It is in your nature to want what you want and not want what God wants. Even if you feel occasionally guilty about it because you recognize some rebellion in your heart. Men serve their own principles. Talking about Adam's nature that you were born with, we serve our own principles. We serve our own rules. We follow our rules of joy. We follow our rules of safety. We follow our rules of, of, of self in every way, leisure, activity, how long you do or don't want to sleep, how honest you want to be or not want to be in your work. We even go so far as to, to be sovereign of our own religion. You will determine how you worship, when you worship, the manner in which you will go about doing it. This is what it means to be born under Adam's reign. And so this letter that we've been studying, this amazing revelation, tells us that that all of these things that mentioned, and, and, and you may say, well, I, I sort of identify with, you know, maybe one of those, one or two of these things, Mike. They're all just indications. They're evidences of the real thing that's there in you. It just shows that sin is at work doing what it does in our hearts. And when you see one little evidence of it, when you're reading the New Testament condemnations of of ungodly passions or of covetousness or of idolatry or of laziness or witchcraft or the list is, just goes on and on and on, right? You see one little one in there and that's all you need. There it is. There's the evidence of my, my guilt of ungodliness, my sinfulness, my being born in Adam's reign. It's called depravity. It's the preference for self-rule. It's ignorant of God. It's apathetic toward God. That's Romans 1 through 3, right? And then we learn of God's atonement. The book of Romans teaches us about God's atonement. It teaches us about propitiation, a big word, meaning that the, the wrath of God that is being ready to be poured out on the earth against all mankind, this wrath of God revealed from heaven is satisfied in the Son of God. The wrath of God is satisfied. And now, now we're getting to the, the basics, the fundamentals of, of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn the words redemption there towards the end of chapter 3. And propitiation, redemption, justification is for those who agree with him. And those who run to the Lord Jesus to escape the coming wrath. Justification is ours by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing teaching on the justification of God. You have come to believe God about your unholiness if you are justified. If you have been justified, you believe these things about you. You believe in the just judgment that comes against all men. And we believe God for the life and the forgiveness that is offered in Christ Many are driven to seek the Lord by this proclamation of our depravity and our sinfulness and offer of help and hope. You realize God paid a price, right? He paid a price to save slaves from sin. You know, you remember one of the words of a servant of God is that word doulos. You guys remember that word doulos? That word doulos, your Bible probably translates as uh, servant. Um, the more accurate word probably being slave. You are a slave of sin, and, and once you have been redeemed, a price was paid to redeem you, you've been made a slave of God in that redemption. They've been redeemed to his ways and his purpose. And then by the time we get in, into Romans chapter 4, redemption and justification is illustrated by the life and person of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And we we begin to appreciate what justification by faith means. When Abraham believed God, he was justified. He was declared right by God himself, not by his works of righteousness. Justification 
in a, in a sense, binds the justified to the one who has justified them because he is the redeemer. He has redeemed them. He has purchased them. They are, they are bound to the gracious judge. And condemnation and enmity, we, we have already looked at in the beginning of this letter in chapter 5, condemnation and enmity has been replaced for the justified with the two words we looked at so far, peace with God. And they are transferred into this grace in which we now stand. You're no longer at enmity. You're at peace. You're no longer hostile. You now stand in the grace of God. And in, in chapter 5, we're, we're learning that there are some, there are some benefits that, that have come along, that have accompanied justification. Justification is the miraculous transformation where the guilty is made right. And he can hope in eternal life because of the merit and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And also they are at peace with God. And also they now stand in the grace of God. These are amazing benefits. Some turn away from the Lord Jesus' throne because his duties are distasteful. Some people don't want to put themselves under the mastery of Christ because they find his, his calling on, on life to be burdensome. People don't really want the Lord Jesus to be master. By and large, that springs from misunderstanding of the gospel. People don't understand that the Lord calls men and women to follow him this way. They see these duties and they, they, they shrink away from them. And one of the things I want to show you today that is revealed here in chapter 5 is that there are some, there are some secret blessings, secret strengths available for the person who is going to be walking with the Lord Jesus. They're not intuitive. You wouldn't have understood them unless they're explained to you here. In the same way that the, the world of health and fitness that you and I are fairly accustomed to, it's part of our culture, we, we love the ideas of health and fitness, and, and we consider people who don't follow the rules of health, we consider them to be second-class citizens in our culture, unhealthy people. We kind of look down our cultural nose at and, and very fit and, 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 and disciplined people who, who you know, eat the way they should and all that. We, we tend to very much ad- admire these kind of people because of these principles of, of eating and activity that some will follow. It's, it's almost a cult. It's almost a religion, the way people follow this, uh, this lifestyle in our culture. And the reason that many do pursue this, a certain way of eating, a certain way of exercising, etc., is because it does promise benefits, tangible benefits. And, and people experience some of the blessings, if you will. That's probably going a little bit too far with my word there. But there are some advantages of being careful about what you eat and, and exercising and this kind of thing. And so our, our culture, the world knows you do this, suffer some of the hardship of it, suffer some of the discomforts of the disciplines and whatnot, because it brings with it other benefits. This is why men will give themselves to these principles We all expect certain benefits from doing that. And so what I want to compare that to is that the soul of a Christian, a person who has been brought to Christ, a person who has been justified, finds that there are certain rules governing the life of the soul that have really amazing benefits. They're they're added blessings. And so this is what we're reading about here in uh, verses 1 to 5. Verse 3, if you look at that again, verse 3. So we stand 
in grace, rejoicing in hope of the glory of God because of justification. And he goes on, he says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. And so I I want to challenge you to think about that phrase all by itself for a second. Do you understand justification? That that being declared right before God. Do you understand that that has put you in such a situation that you glory in tribulation? My hunch is the answer is no for most of you. It is very against your nature to glory in tribulation. What does tribulation mean? What's the word tribulation mean? Does it mean fun? Does it mean vacation? Like trials. trials, hardships, um, almost being forced to do something you don't want to do. A trial is, is, is a test, actually. It's a testing. Do you fear or resent glory and tribulation? When you think about someone saying, I'm setting up a tribulation for you, do you fear it or do you glory in it? When the Lord says glory and tribulation, do you feel that with some anxiety? Do you feel as if, oh, I don't want to? What does scripture reveal about this uh, un- unwelcome circumstance of tribulation? What does the scripture reveal about this? The, the word itself, tribulation, if it means trouble, that would be one translation of the word. If it means trouble, you guys want to walk through the door over there to what I've prepared for you and is going to be trouble. Or do you want to go through that door over there that's uh, Disneyland and free food? None of you is going to walk through the door trouble. This is just our, this is how we work. But the scripture has put this strange phrase together, glory in tribulation. Revel in it. Be awed by it. Appreciate it. Glory in tribulation. Another translation of this word tribulation is oppression. You want to go through the door of oppression over here? Or do you want to go to Disneyland and an all-day free pass? Verse 3 does very specifically say, look at what the text says, not only that, not only do we have access by grace, not only are we at peace with God, we, we hope in the glory of God, It also says we glory in tribulation. It goes on to say knowing that. Okay, so it's because of something you know. So your mind must be changed about something here. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So the soul, again, as as the dieter, as, as the American or anybody in the Western world considering disciplines of the body... In the, in the realm of eating and exercise, you're given a pitch. You're shown pictures. You're described benefits. Now the soul here is being told how and, and why it is you would glory in tribulation. There is a cause and effect to your glorying in tribulation. There's a benefit of it. And so... The servant of the Lord Jesus, the one who has been justified, is to glory in it. So what is the tribulation that gives advantage for the justified? What is it and and how does it work? Didn't the Lord Jesus himself frequently teach about, for example, dying to yourself? Did the Lord Jesus talk about dying to yourself? Is the word die... Is that a positive thing or is that a negative thing? Do you want to die? It's actually purposefully a negative thing. But the Lord Jesus says, die to yourself. Give up the life of yourself. 
We, we anticipate that kind of thing as a, a negative thing, but it fits under the same realm of what we're talking about, glorying and tribulation. Hardship, oppression in the course of you walking in your faith, oppression in your pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ is, is a tribulation that you are to glory in. The man entering into a life of following Christ was warned by the Lord Jesus, was warned by the apostles, something like this. Think carefully about what you're thinking about doing because pursuing the Lord Jesus is, by definition, going to bring you hardship. There's going to be conflicts of your person and conflicts in your life for pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians 129. We'll look at a couple references here. When people properly understand Christ, when we properly understand the gospel, we are warned and we're told that there is hardship that will accompany this. Philippians 129. For to you it has been granted. Don't you love it when something has been granted to you? This is going to be given to you. To you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. Sometimes people call this a, a call to discipleship. If, if you're going to pursue the Lord Jesus, the Lord would warn his disciples. If you're going to follow me, it comes with hardship. It comes with difficulty. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. First Thessalonians 2 and 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea. So Thessalonica is far away from Judea. You can picture the Mediterranean Sea. Israel's on the, on the bank of the sea here on the eastern side. But above it and to the left a bit is where Thessalonica is. It's a Gentile area. So these Gentiles receive this letter. Gentile Christian says, you, brethren, you became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea. You're, you're walking in the same faith as those ones down there. For you also suffer the same things from your own countrymen. That is, these folks in Thessalonica who have converted, they've been born again, they're following Christ. They suffered in turning to Christ. Keep reading with me. You suffer the same things from your countrymen just as they did from the Judeans. In other words, when those people in Judea converted to Christ, they experienced persecution and suffering from the non-Christian Judeans. Why? That is what happens when someone turns to the Lord Jesus. When someone begins following Christ, there's conflict. It brings conflict and oppression into your life. Have you pondered what are the tribulations of faith that I have come to expect in my own life? Are there any? Do you anticipate them? Do you experience them? What are the things that you believe apply in understanding this in your own life? Or is this something only meant for people in the New Testament times? Of course, this is also meant and intended for you and I. In this day, when we hear the preaching of Christ and we're asked to come and follow Christ, we're to expect it and we're not to fear it because it gives an advantage. This, the same way you would be drawn to a disciplined eating and exercise regimen, I want you to be drawn. I want you to recognize this is something the Lord is telling you. See this, know this, and pursue this. Take it on as from the Lord. Glory and tribulation. Does this mean that the life of following Christ has necessary attacks, necessary conflict between you and those who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it necessary? 
at 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Here's an interesting little window into this question. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He writes to this church in Corinth and says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, and that means while you live. If while you are alive, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. In other words, you should feel the most sorry for us if in this life only People have hope in Christ. In other words, there is a life to come. There is a life after this life. And therefore, the suffering and difficulty you would experience in this life is bearable. It's wonderful. But if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men the most to be Pitied. The life of sonship in Christ, the life of the redeemed, would mean to live a life of service and tribulation and persecution. And since there is a life after this life, we learn that this persecution has advantage and has benefit for the Christian. Do you want to walk through your life with Christian strength? You ask yourself that question. Do I want to walk through my life? Do I believe in and trust the Lord Jesus for eternal life? Do I want strength in my Christian life? Do I want this that the Lord offers by his fatherly instruction? And if you want to be strong and a maturing Christian, then you glory in tribulation. We're going to explain. We're going to keep explaining this a little bit further. Believing in tribulation means that you deny the threats of precious loss. You, you say no to threats that threaten you. Your temptation to cave in to your flesh is often a response to you saying, I don't want to lose what is being threatened that I'm going to lose. I'm going to make this more clear here. Look at Matthew 10, verse 35. So we're thinking about being oppressed in tribulation. The reason you will not take it on, the reason you will avoid it, the reason you will deny what needs to be denied to get out of it is because you are afraid you're going to lose something that you don't want to lose. You're afraid you're going to lose something precious to you. But look at Matthew 10 and verse 35. Let's think about what it would mean to endure the heartaches of faith. Enduring the heartaches of faith. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew 10:35, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Tribulation that a Christian faces but needs to persevere through is often a tribulation of heartache. In other words, if you find yourself believing certain things to be true in the Lord Jesus and your mom disagrees with you or your dad disagrees with you or your sister disagrees with you and you are to say what's true and live in the light of what's true, are you going to find your son happy with you or mad with you? Are you going to find your mom happy with you or mad at you? Are you going to find your friendship strengthened or weakening with that person? See, the Lord Jesus says, God is number one, always. 
He says, I have come to set a man against. You see that? Why is that? Because God is the number one priority. God's truth is the number one and only truth. But will men live that way? No. The Lord Jesus makes this announcement. He comes to set the one against the other. Faith in the Lord Jesus will bring you and I into these conflicts of heart. You'll experience heartaches over needing to choose loyalty to the Lord Jesus or loyalty to the loved person in your family. That's what it boils down to here. And in many cases, Christian persecution and tribulation comes right there in those closest friendships. Yet, the Christian who perseveres in his love of and is walking with the Lord Jesus is actually promised gain. That's what we're reading about here in Romans chapter 5. The Lord wanted us to understand that this conflict exists between his word and between your relationships in the world. One of the reasons this is very difficult to to believe and to walk in is because your heart is a very persuasive preacher. Your heart is a very, very persuasive threatener. In other words, when you and I face certain tribulations in this world and in this life, in this realm of, of people that we love, when we face this, your heart is convincing you, don't go there. Don't don't follow the Lord that tight because you will lose this precious thing if you do. And you will not want to do it. You're like, well, the Lord will understand. Well, I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to stay, you know, good friends with this person. I'm not going to offend them. I'm going to keep this relationship going. I'm not going to be offensive to this person. I can't live without my son. I can't live without my mom. It's difficult to face this conflict of tribulation in the world with the people we love because your heart is such a strong preacher. Your heart threatens you saying you will not be able to bear this loss if you actually walk with the Lord in this way. Your heart tells you 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 won't survive this. It's going to be too sad for you. It's going to be too hard for you. And the heart usually chooses a certain kind of love, we define it as love, and affection and social peace instead of trusting in the Lord. Lord Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 13. The Lord Jesus spoke about men and women who are happy to follow the Lord Jesus until they find these kinds of conflicts arising in the world. Look at Matthew 13 and verse 20. He who receives the seed on the stony place, this is he who hears the word. So there's a person who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Happy to hear the gospel and the offer of life. Happy to hear forgiveness with God. Verse 21, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. You see, the, it's, it's a very wonderful thing to hear the offer of life and grace and forgiveness in Christ. But that person will find himself at a crossroads very soon. Where the threat of persecution causes them to choose to stay away from the Lord Jesus in that manner. And they turn away. You see, the believing one who is listening to the Lord Jesus here in Romans chapter 5, or even the one who would be listening to the Lord Jesus here in Matthew, the believing one hears the word of God and is directed by that word of God. They are following the Lord Jesus when they come to this crossroad of persecution and tribulation. They say, I'm with you, Lord. I'm walking with you, Lord. I'm going with you, Lord. 
Many will accuse you of all sorts of evils because of your pursuit of the Lord. Many will be offended by you. What does Romans 5 and 3 here say about tribulation? It says glory in tribulation. Why? Here's here's some of how you're going to go about doing this. It's because of what you know. It uses the word know. What do you know? What do you know about this hard thing that is on the threshold of the Christian life? What do you know about it? It produces endurance. And so you need to know. You need to really take note of this. It's something to know and it's something to ponder. The soul has to realize this as you're pondering the the, the growth and the development of your soul. What does your soul think about this persecution and this tribulation? It must know that it produces endurance. Don't flee tribulation. Don't flee persecution, but endure in it because it brings endurance. You benefit by tribulation. Spiritual endurance is a great virtue. It's a great strength. So you don't want to flee persecution and tribulation. It makes your walk with God, it makes your soul stronger in the Lord. What is perseverance? Constance. Perseverance is endurance. And tribulations, as you take on these tribulations that come in your life, as you work and walk through them by faith, they give you experience in trusting the Lord. This is something this passage works out here a little bit for us. As you believe the Lord and walk in it, you learn by your walking in your faith that the Lord keeps you in it and he keeps you through it as you're depending on his strength. Think for a moment, if you lost your job, if you lost your job because you were a Christian, or if you're going to lose your job because you're a Christian. If you lost your job, what do you do with the fear that comes to you that says something like, how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to survive? I mean, that's a real tangible, honest-to-goodness fear that does come to some people for believing in the Lord Jesus. America is like one of the last places in the world to begin experiencing this right now, really. Some people would deny Christ instead so they could keep their job, right? Of course they would. That's what happens. Some people will deny him instead. Our passage says, glory in tribulation because it gives perseverance trusting the Lord walking with the Lord resting in the Lord's promises Hebrews 13:5 teaches us for example if we were in this kind of a circumstance it says let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have for he himself has said I will never leave you nor forsake you the Lord has promised to be with his people so when you're feeling fear from the world by your walk with the Lord, you strengthen yourself in the word of God to take your stand by the word of God. So that was Hebrews 13.5. Matthew 6.26 offers a similar one. And the word is full of answers to these different fears and challenges that come to us. But Matthew 6, 26 says, look at the birds of the air. Look, you who are afraid of not having something eat. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap. Isn't that a funny picture? Can you, can you picture the birds planting the fields? and then harvesting their fields and putting the grain in the granary. The birds don't do that. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, that requires faith, doesn't it? If, if this is the basis by which you say to yourself, you speak back to your heart that's threatening you, you say, heart, 
I'm going to trust the Lord because the Lord feeds the birds. He provides for the birds. He'll provide for me. I can continue to proclaim your name. I can stand in my faith in the Lord Jesus. I can face this persecution because your word says I can. Right? Tribulation is a test. Tribulation is a test. You get to see what faith does when you walk by faith in tribulation and persecution. It's meant to show you by your experience of it what the Lord does for those who walk with him. It lets you experience practicing and waiting on the Lord for the Lord to provide in your circumstance. Philippians 4, 12 and 13 gives us an example of Paul saying how he had benefited from this same thing himself in his own life. Philippians 4, 12. He says, I know how to be abased. When someone said that, what does that mean? What does it mean? I know how to be abased. We don't use that word in our language, do we? Say it again. I know how to be poor, he says. There were times in his life when he was poor. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a lot of money in his pocket. He says, I know how to be, but how does he know? How does he know? He persevered in tribulation. The Lord taught him. It wasn't theoretical for him. He's saying here now, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. I know, I know what it means to have some extra too. Everywhere and in all things I've learned to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is how faith develops and grows in a man who is walking by faith in his tribulations. He doesn't fear the threat that says you're going to be broke. Why doesn't he fear that threat? Because he knows what the word of God says. He knows what God says. He knows what God is like. And so he is glorying in tribulation. Perseverance is a painfully acquired strength, but I want you to be resolved to learn it. I'm asking you be resolved to learn it. Perseverance is hard because it takes you from where you're at to where you haven't been. That's always scary because you don't know how to do more than what you do. You are bound by your bad habits and you're bound by your ignorance. And the word of God is like a light that shows you this is where you can walk. This is where you shall walk. Walk there by faith. Live there by faith. The Christian soul glories in tribulation because they learn perseverance, which leads to knowledge. This knowledge becomes your proof. It becomes the basis of why you will live by faith and not by sight. And when you have perseverance, you know what you can do by faith. When you have perseverance, the, the, the scary things that are being pressed in upon you are not so scary Anymore. So what tribulation is in your life right now? What tribulation is on your horizon? What sorts of fears are there in your life or on your future that are causing you to be afraid to walk in the light of God's word? What sorts of things could there be in your life that you're thinking about? Are you already in a habit of buckling to the world's ways? Or... Can you glory in tribulation, growing in perseverance, increasing in knowledge that God's word is utterly true and reliable? Where are you at? This produces character. Perseverance produces character. I believe that's what your translation says, I, I don't think that's the best translation of this word, tribulation, endurance, character is what your Bible says. Some of the other 
definitions of that word would be proof. It produces proof. I think that's more tangible to you and I. You're you're doing what God has asked you to do by faith produces proof. And so as you do this, you increase. As you have more and more and more proof, it just changes the way you live. It changes your eyes. It changes the way you see your trials and your circumstances. Your flesh and the devil are two things that are at work against you, glorying in tribulation and learning to walk by faith. Your flesh tempts you to fear what you might lose. Your flesh threatens you. Satan threatens you. And the word of the Lord, God's word, has taught us to hope in the Lord. So Christian character, or this this last step here, is actually met with increasing experience, or your, your translation probably said character, but this knowledge that you don't live in, in, in the light of the visible worldly threats in your world. Hope knows God's consistent favor. Hope knows what the word of God says to your circumstances and stands in it and walks in it. And hope has experience of having walked in it. It knows that as a son, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as as someone who has been redeemed, he has a certain affection and care for me. So Galatians 4.6 makes an interesting connection in what we're looking at here in Romans 5. Galatians 4.6 says, Because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. So there's something that happens to the one who has been redeemed. And the Spirit of God comes into the redeemed, into those who have been propitiated, into the justified. The Spirit of God comes into them, crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God is something that God sends and puts into the heart of a Christian. So as I read here from verse 3 in chapter 5 of Romans, follow with me. We'll go, we'll look at this again here in a second in Galatians 4. It says, not only that, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Hope does not disappoint because of something the Holy Spirit of God is doing into the heart of his people. Or, out of the reference in Galatians, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. There is this spiritual knowledge of of the soul who knows who their father is, who knows who they honor, who knows provides for them, who knows is their Lord. The love of God, when you understand the love of God like Like a child knows the love of a good father, when you know the love of God because of what he has done in justification, because of what he has done in calling sinning, rebellious men and women to himself, when you know what he spent to redeem you while you were yet sinners, and when you repented of your sin and you you give your life to the Lord Jesus, when you have done that, Sons honor him most, love him most, trust him most. They love him. Their hope remains in him. This is kind of like the the, the book end of this passage that we're looking at here. In other words, when you're anticipating tribulation, persecution because of Christ, what emboldens you to walk by faith in it? Ultimately, well, it gives you perseverance. It gives you um, 
What's the first one? Perseverance in your tribulation. Character. Hope. It even builds your hope by God's Spirit being given to you who are walking in this. You know your sonship. You know who your father is. Your hope is is built. The love of God is an amazing, can I say, consolation to the things in the world that you fear, to the things that threaten you to not believe. The things that threaten you to not believe stand opposed to the love of God. And so when we think about the gospel on the front end of this, when when you think about, when you look at your own life, where you're at today, what you're anticipating, what you're thinking about, what's going on in your soul, do you know that the, the triune God sends the Son to take on flesh and live among us and Preach to men that you would know your sinfulness. Do you know your need of Redeemer to the the point that you've left your life of sin? Do you know Him like that? Do you know the great love of God who gave the blood of His Son that, that you would be freed of the condemnation of sin? Do you know that? Do you look at the tribulations in this world as an opportunity for you to to learn to walk and live by faith because God the Father has given you a life to live in this world that is not the life that you were living before you came to Him? You've been called a servant, servant of God, and, and they live by faith. Servants of God live by faith. Any glory and tribulation. It's just not a natural thought, is it? For you to glory in tribulation. But can you be encouraged today with this little passage to see that these things actually produce a great, great um, substance of Christian worth if you believe the Lord in this? If you've never, if you've never come to faith, then, then this is the time to start. You come to the Lord and you you say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I don't want to be afraid of tribulation. I want to learn how this actually makes me a stronger man or woman in Christ by my walking and faith in it. I hope that you will um, be able to appreciate this passage a little more than maybe you have in the past. 